What is the most valuable conversation that you can have to enhance the impact of your marketing technology? With Louis Grenier from Hotjar. Martech Stacked, episode number nine. Brought to you by Content Cow. Plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martech Stacked, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain, and each episode I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what Martech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and Martech stack. I'm joined today by a man who believes that the internet is the missing link between our brain and the universe. He's founder and host of Everyone Hates Marketers and senior marketing strategist at Hotjar. Welcome, Louis Grenier. Bonjour, bonjour. Thanks so much. And well done for pronouncing my name pretty much the exact same way it should be pronounced. I, I, so I, I to you. almost got there. I didn't um, emphasize the R quite enough. I could have gone Grenier. Couldn't, yeah, that, that would have been maybe a little bit better. Yeah, I'm impressed, actually. Mais ma femme est française. Ah, so that's how you're cheating. That's how you manage to, to actually say it properly, because you, you have the, the French influence in your life. That's yes, very good yes, to know. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Louis, great to have you on. Um, you can, of course, find Louis over at everyonehatesmarketers.com as well as hotjar.com. So, Louis, explain what your business does. Now, we're talking about Hotjar um, in the context of today's conversation. So explain what Hotjar does and how you as a business uses marketing technology to make that business better. So Hotjar is a way to understand what people really do on your website. That's as simple as it is. Um, traditional web analytics tools like Google Analytics, um, they show you numbers and graphs and reports all day long. Uh, and they're very good at you know, understanding the big picture of your site and a bit like, you know, you're the CEO of an airline or, or the CEO of a, of, a, of a train company and you want to know where people are coming from, living, etc. It's very good to know, like to have a lay of the land. But there's a limitation to this. And the limitation is when you want to go beyond the numbers to truly understand what people do uh, and they don't do. What do they pay attention to on your site, on your pages? Uh, what are the things that they struggle with that they don't struggle with? Um, how do they feel about you, the, the journey on your website? What could be improved? All of those questions are basically can't be answered via traditional analytics unless you try to guess them. So Hotjar is, is the bridge, uh, makes you closer to your customer and to your users this way. Wonderful. Okay. Um, so I'll just dive into the second part of that question. Uh, how do you use marketing technology to make the business better just in a second there? But um, just one follow up question about Hotjar. What is the biggest or the quickest win that um, an average customer that signs up to use Hotjar actually f discovers? That's an excellent question. Um, because it can be quite overwhelming when you set up Hotjar, where you have a lot of data in front of you, very much the same than Google Analytics. So the biggest, the quick, quickest win I can think about is based on a, on a course I just set up and I just created for, for Hotjar recently. Uh, the best way to find opportunities for improvement that will have a big impact is to one, look at your Google Analytics and understand your most important segment of people, meaning who are the people bringing the highest revenue to you and your website by looking at different dimensions, like slicing and dicing the data a bit. So, are people more valuable when they come from Facebook 
uh, are they spending more or less per user? Um, are people coming from France more valuable than people coming from the US, et cetera, et cetera? So trying to slice and dice the data to the point where, as a rule of thumb, you have between you know 20 to 50% of the people in this segment that are worth more than 50% of, of your revenue. So those, those, those good customers. Once you have that, you you look at where they land and the typical path they take through Google Analytics, once again, or any other traditional analytics tool to understand you know, where do they land, where do they drop, where do they go. And then once you have those two pieces of, of data, the, the last thing is to go to Hotjar and basically segment your data the same way. So you look at the segment of people you set up, so only coming from Facebook, only coming from this country, only using desktop device, stuff like that. And you want to look at recordings of people. So actual recordings of people going through your site, anonymized, by the way, we don't have any way to to, under, to know your personal identifiable information. We mask them and they're never saved in our servers. Um, and so you look at recordings of those people, but not all the recordings. You look at recordings of people who went through the buying process, who bought from you, but nearly didn't. And that's the key. And the reason why it's so powerful to think this way is because those people actually bought from you. So their feedback, their experience is valuable because they showed, they, they brought money, you know, to your business. Now, if you don't, if you, you know, if you're a charity or, or, or whatever, you need to think of the biggest, most important goal, but it's the same thing. And look at recordings of people struggling, spending a lot of time on your pages, spending a, um, uh, visiting many pages across like maybe 35 minutes and whatnot. So looking at those recordings particularly and paying attention to what they pay attention to and also paying attention to what they don't pay attention to. And this is ex uh, extremely valuable because most people think about it the other way. They think of, they obsess over people who don't do what you want them to do. But by looking at people who did it, but nearly didn't, actually leads to a lot of insight. So I would say if you have 30 minutes in front of you and this is the only thing you can do, this is what I would tell you to do. Wonderful. I mean, I've used Hotjar quite a bit in the past and I can certainly recommend it as well as a, as a wonderful platform. However, just like any other tool, it's quite challenging if someone hasn't been in there at all before to decide on what to do first. And I think what you've summarized there will give people some just actionable thing to do straight away and get value from the tool. And, and that's obviously why people choose to stay with the tool if they see an immediate uh, demonstration of, of, of value as well. So talking about marketing technology in general, or th kind of thinking about it maybe over the last few years with Hotjar, uh, in general, which are the areas that um, marketing technology has really impacted the efficiency of your overall operation? I think, although we are big business in terms of revenue, uh, I think I think we're going to hit, or we've hit just $20 million in annual recurring revenue, which is massive. Mm -hmm. And we are a bit more than 120 people. When I joined three years and a half ago, there was a lot of stuff we didn't have um, put together. I would say the single most impactful thing that MarTech stuff have helped us to do is to actually have, understand our, the journey of our users from an analytics perspective, the, from a number perspective and the attribution of those users. And we know that attribution as a, as a problem is everywhere from marketing uh, people. They want to measure everything from start to finish. They're very frustrated. They don't know where those people are coming from mm -hmm. and where are all of those direct uh, vis visitors coming from and what did they do before and have they heard of us before and what led them to just visit the sites? Uh, why can't we see more 
sessions prior to that. I mean, it's been like, I know this is a problem that a lot of people suffer from. And we, we have a BI, a business intelligence team who actually, uh, that got set up recently and they solved this problem. Not, you know, not hundred percent. You can't solve it hundred percent. You have to make peace that digital marketing is not a perfect, uh, you can't have perfect data, never, but actually it helped us to understand, uh, the journey uh, of customers from start to finish, from the first session to the last one, what channel did they come from, what landing page did they land on, uh, how much are they worth per channel, per campaign, per keyword. And I, I honestly, I would say, I didn't believe that we would be able to put it off, hearing so many other people saying they struggle with it, but yet they did it. And now we have a tableau, a series of tableau dashboards that answer questions we could never answer before. But that that's came from creating our own data lake, using segments as the way to, to, to connect all sources together, clean things up, start th starting fresh as well without polluted data. Um, and we are now at a point where we understand the journey from a number perspective, at least much better. So maybe just sticking with attribution for a second, because that's a word that has been around for a while, but I don't think most businesses are really doing too much with attribution. I think most businesses are probably still looking at last click, um, last referring source before a transaction took place. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about um, the most common wins that uh, a business may be likely to achieve as, as a result of embracing attribution, maybe f f by focusing more on SEO, maybe by focusing more on certain terms within PPC or so some other medium. Um, what's, what's something that can be gained or an initial gain that a business can get by really uh, improving their, their attribution skills? Well, I guess it, it adds more color to your data and more truth to it by, as you said, uh, instead of just thinking of last touch and thinking of, okay, people landed on the website and bought from us right now, it, it makes you think more in terms of the full journey. So, I mean, to be to be very concrete about it, uh, one of the key thing is, as you mentioned, is is what are the channels that are bringing the most uh, users to us? Uh, what I like to think about is specifically, what is the channel that people see first, then end up doing whatever, and then end up buying a few months after? And that's kind of the channel that matters the most uh, for a marketer in terms of awareness building is because it's it's if if most people come from this as first touch, and then they might go and search for your brand term on Google and then and then converting. If they didn't have this first touch, they probably would never uh, be there in the first place or end up buying in the first place. So this first touch element, understanding where did they actually, where did they come from, is is a powerful thing. But even with a very, very powerful attribution dashboard and attribution tool, you can't know for sure whether this was their first touch. There is still issues with cross-device. And there is something wonderful, which is real life outside of computers, mm. where people actually talk to each other, believe it or not, David. Occasionally. They actually talk to each other sometimes. And people might talk about Hojar to their friends. And like, thank God we can't track that conversation. But... <laughs> I might tell you, you, you need to check out Hodger, or you might listen to it on a podcast and then just Google it. Mm. Even though you see that as first touch, it's not the first touch. So going beyond just this pure attribution, number-driven thing to understand the full context is important. But first touch is usually a good a good aha moment. So does that mean, um, just one final question about attribution, does that mean that you 
are a fan of actually providing um, the first touch with, with, with more financial value. So um, it's, it's worth more financially to a business, but the first touch than, than other subsequent touches before the transaction's made. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a fan at all. It's just in terms of understanding what I'm what I love to think about as a problem is, is how to make people f- go from zero to one, meaning how do you go from not knowing you to knowing you, you know? Yeah. And so this first touch to me is interesting. But beyond that, to, to, to speak about Hotjar part, uh, particularly, we use uh, 40-20-40 as a rule. So 40% of the weight is given to first touch channel, 20% is given to all of the things that happen uh, before last touch, and last touch gets, gets 40%. Right. Uh, and we settled on that because it gave us the highest... Uh, like the most, we felt the most realistic, the most, the most fair measurement. But uh, what's interesting, what we learned anyway, even with the 40, 20, 40 rule versus first touch versus last, is that our users tend to convert quite quickly, regardless. Um, we, I think I'm not going to say something stupid and I'm going to try to pull it off uh, and I might correct myself in a few seconds. But I think more than 50% of our users convert within first day. Wow. Okay. So, so because of that, I guess you'd also say that forty twenty forty isn't a model that any business should just simply follow and, and, and use as a first first model before before they get more data. It's a it's a model that you found that is appropriate to use at Hotjar, but it's possibly not appropriate for other businesses. Yeah, it depends. It really depends on you. I know that forty twenty forty uh, is is something that is being used quite a lot in terms of model, but you need to know what happens. Like if you're very if you're an extremely quick purchase decision B2C type of company that like where people end up just visit your site, they buy and then they leave, then then maybe it's another, uh, maybe last touch is important to you because first and last are actually the same. Mm. But if you are a huge B2B service company with a sales cycle of three years, maybe last touch doesn't matter almost whatsoever yeah. because the game happens They've already uh, made the decision that, so. to purchase before, um, by the time they get there, yeah. Exactly. Great. L- listen, l- let's dive into your marketing technology recommendations. So starting off with number three, what are your top three tools in your current, in Hotjar's current MarTech stack and why? So I mentioned two already. So Tableau okay. and Segment uh, in no particular order because, again, I, I didn't set up the business intelligence team. Uh, my colleague, Andrew, Andrew Michael, uh, you need to talk to him, by the way, he's much more well-versed than I am on this, but Segment gave us this holistic view of everything that was going on from a digital perspective. So we are able to connect everything to it. And it's kind of the single source of truth. So we have a data lake that is like managed by our engineer in BI where this is where the data lies. This is where we trust it. And then segment is kind of the the thing that connects everything to, to, to each other and to it. And that helped us to clean all the data we had. We had we used to have reports from Mixpanel, from Google Analytics, from Hotjar, or whatever. It was a mess. You didn't know what to trust. Now, every single thing is handled through the same. So when we launch experiments, they are being flagged in segments and therefore in the data lake. So we can go back to it and know exactly what users have been exposed to, what experiment, when. This is just, that's, it, this tool is a game changer for this reason. And the second one is Tableau, um, purely because that helps people like me who have no idea how to do uh, SQL queries and, and stuff like that, or don't have time to actually interpret the data and and, um, and slice and dice the data uh, ourselves. So again, our BI engineers have been working 
like very hard to make that happen. Um, and we have dashboards uh, on a few topics that are extremely valuable for us. So those two tools are incredibly important for us as a as a business. Okay, I'll, um, I'll, I'll see if I can give them a, a equal two and a half rating. But if I was to really push yeah. you, segment and tableau, and um, you, you couldn't separate them in terms of um, values to the business. Well, uh, segment has to be more important than Tableau because without tab without okay. segment, you don't have Tableau. Okay. So, or at least not, not the right data. Okay, okay. But I'll, the number one. Uh, can I tell you number one? You, you you can indeed. And then I'll go back to um, segment and Tableau and just dive a little bit deeper into why you chose those tools and how you use them. But but let's see what number one is. Yeah. Just I want to just go back to something I said earlier on, just to to make sure I correct it and don't say anything stupid. Out of all of the users who. Who, exp who visitors who came to our websites uh, between uh, May to today, 80% of them uh, signed up to Hotjar on the first day. Wow. 7%, 8% uh, within a week. And so you can see 88%. When you sign, say signed up, is that a free trial? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting uh, piece but if you slice and dice the data further into looking at the important for example leads the leads that are more valuable to us than others and i'm just gonna literally just gonna uh do that now um because i want to i want to tell you how interesting it is um and i'm gonna get lost into in my stuff no, that's okay um just just while you do that um I, i'm just gonna ask a follow-up question about um about segments because what you mentioned was an interesting phrase you said single source of truth and i i, I think for the listener if, if if they're not comfortable with that particular phrase it's really important to have one piece of software um which is your most trusted piece of software in terms of information about your your, your database and uh, everything else feeds into that and um and, and then out of that tool again and then everything essentially talks to that piece of tool we, we've talked to guests before who use a CRM as a single source of truth. Well, why do you think segment is better as a single source of truth instead of using a CRM? I think a CRM sits on top of it again, right? So a CRM enables you to, to slice and dice the data in a different way from different view from the customer perspective and what emails they receive and who they are. But without segment ruling and uh, the engine behind it, then you can't you can't do much with the CRM, right? So I, I think this is where it is. So I've looked at the dashboards. And so for example, for the, the leads that are more important to us, 75% instead of 80 convert on the first day. So nothing crazy, right? So like the difference is not that massive. And what we've learned really is that a lot of things happen in the background before they actually even start to visit our website. And this is something we don't, we can't do anything about with digital tools. So it's, so it's actually real life interactions. Has that stat improved significantly over the last few years? I'm, I'm wondering if that stat was a lot lower, that percentage of people who signed up on the first day was a lot, lot lower three years ago. We didn't have that data, so I can't tell you. Right. We only started to have this fresh proper data for the last nine months or so. So I and actually we don't know whether it improved or not. What I know is when we ask people directly, how did you hear about us from the very first time? The vast majority of people say from a colleague, from a friend, from an agency. So we know that what happens is people hear about us not from mostly not from our marketing efforts of, you know, uh, like writing blog posts and whatever. It's just purely people talking to each other, which is why 
the first tool I want to say, the most important tool that you have as a marketer at your disposal is to talk to customers yourself, is not to overly obsess over numbers and Google Analytics and segment and Tableau, as we mentioned. Yes, that's incredibly important and, and as, as your company becomes more sophisticated, but I can't tell you how many times I've just had one conversation with a customer or user where I had huge, like big ideas after that, or I felt so energized after that. It adds color to a black and white world. You know, it adds context, it adds empathy, it adds, you kind of start visualizing an actual person talking to you using words rather than those dashboards and reports and slicing and dicing data. And I would say to me, it will always be the most important tool. And you might say it's not very sophisticated and we can talk about how to integrate that with your CRM and, and, and whatnot. But to me, this is the single most important thing you can do as a marketer. I do love that answer. And I'm a fan of of understanding what users are doing. Obviously, I've used Hotjar. Um, and I'm also a fan of usertesting.com. I'm not, not sure if you've heard of that. It's, it's nice to get 10-minute um, recordings of people actually going through your site and commenting on what they see when going through your site as well. But focus groups or one-on-one -on -one conversations is, 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 is key as well. Not focus groups. Uh, not focus groups. Why, why not focus groups? Uh, it, it's it's going the data people people interact with each other and, and 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 come up with stuff just to please you and to please other and to raise their status in the group they are in uh, i would advise against it i would advise to just have one-to-one -one conversation uh or survey that you send to one person um it's very easy people to for people to get carried across to to get carried away when others are in the room have you tried focus groups and and come away with that conclusion as a result of of, of trying focus groups Yes, in the start of my career, we did a few, and, and it's just it's just so obvious. I mean, when you understand principles of of, of marketing and and meaning like behavioral psychology and psychology in general, you understand that people are extremely social creatures that needs their status, that always check their status against other, and you will have a dominant person in the group that naturally goes up in the status kind of rank during the the group. You'll have others that start not saying much or just agreeing for the sake of agreeing. And so it skews entirely the, the, the conversation um, and it gives you bad data uh, usually. Uh, um, and this is why I don't think this should be something you want to do, especially if you're not used to talking to customers or users to get the right insight. Yeah, I was going to say, do, do you not think there's a way to mitigate against uh, getting consistent answers by maybe a asking better questions or using focus groups in con conjunction with one-on-one -on -one conversations? Yes. I mean, again, it's not a black and white uh, world. Uh, obviously, there is might be a way to mitigate it. From from my small experience, uh, I haven't found a way to, to mitigate focus groups uh, data uh, so that it's, it's actually valuable uh, because of this component of status and stuff like that. I know there is a new solution out there now, but they are not physical focus groups where they isolate respondents on purpose so that you have a group of people, but they don't hear each other. Again, I think it goes back to one-to-one. -to -one. The reason why they do that is they know people are not really truthful when others are in the room. Um, but even, even when you do one-to-one -one conversation with people, you need to be extremely careful about the type of question you ask and don't ask, or else you're going to screw data. Uh, because we have huge confirmation bias as humans, we are looking for the answer we want to, we want, 
And so, for example, quick rule of thumb, asking questions about the future and what they might be doing is a no-go. Asking questions about what they might, they would like to see as a solution is a no-go. The best, most um, impactful question you can always ask are about the past, the near past and the present and ask about their pain points, what they are currently doing now, uh, what they've done in the past, all of that kind of stuff. If you start going into the future, the answers are mostly rubbish. People can't predict the future. Great tips. Let's um, try and bring it back into data. Obviously, you highlighted that the number one um, tool in inverted commas is, is is talking to customers. But how do you actually convert that into meaningful data for the business? Do you ask specific questions and store that data and and try and establish some kind of trend trend between between different customers? So this is something that we are evolving uh, within Hotjar, and it's something that we used to do very on a very ad hoc basis. So, for example, I ran a couple of, I mean, maybe twenty-five interviews last year uh, to develop our new positioning and how do we stand out in the market? How, what do people think of us? How would they describe us? Stuff like that. And it always has been kind of ad hoc. So our product managers would run interviews themselves with their own questions depending on their goal. So. It, we never really had a consistent way to talk to people. Recently, we started an exercise within the marketing team where we have an email campaign in Intercom that automatically sends a, a Calendly link to folks who fit the criteria we, uh, we want to talk to, so like good leads. And we send them a Calendly link with a round robin um, a random round robin uh, distribution, meaning just like it basically gives the spot to one of the people in marketing to speak to them. And so they book a time with us and we just have a rotation where everyone in the marketing team talks to customers, I would say every three, four weeks. So that's a great for empathy building. But to go back to your question, this is something we are building on. We are actually hiring a researcher, like a, a product researcher for to consolidate everything into one place and to make it searchable. So if we actually look at a few solutions, I know there is one called Enjoy HQ, if I'm not mistaken. Don't know. Which is basically a way to turn qualitative data from survey, interviews, uh, anything, into quantitative data that can be sliced and diced by themes, by whatever you want. Like whoever, like whatever information you, you input, you can, you can slice and dice the data. So for interviews in particular, the most important step is to transcribe this interview, right? So we do that every time. We have a hub, we call it a hub in Confluence, where we store our knowledge, like documents internally, where we basically store them in a table. Those are all the interviews we've done. But there is way more we can do to, to create a quantitative version of this, of this information. But to me, to be honest, even though it's great that we are going towards that, I was never really anxious of having it um, because to me, what matters almost more is just that people talk to customers Yeah. because the value is not necessarily in the knowledge they get and that you share. It's just the empathy that you, that you create with just talking to people and, and just have a genuine conversation. But yeah, we are getting better at this, but f we are far from being uh, as good as we could be. And just one final question about the other two tools that you mentioned there, Segment and Tableau. Why did Hotjar actually choose to go with those tools? I mean, for instance, uh, why not Google Data Studio instead of Tableau? Why not something else instead of Segment? I wish I could tell you, to be honest. I think 
for Tableau, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it was a compromise between uh, intuitiveness and simplicity of use for non-techies, as well as the power behind it, like making sure it is something that is useful for, for engineers. They can do whatever you, they want with it. Uh, for segment, I think it was a bit an easier choice, purely because I don't, you might find something, but I don't think there is a tool in their category that does the job as well as they do. And I think they are pretty much the, the sole market leader by a long, long mile. I think they were first to market, if I'm not mistaken. That, 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 I think that's why I said segment solution. or something else. I, I, nothing else sprung yeah. to mind Yeah, for me as well. Yeah, I don't yeah. think, honestly, I think they were first to market. I think they created their own category and their reputation kind of precedes them. And, and, and for that reason, I think we went for that without really questioning it. But again, uh, I didn't make the choice myself and my colleague Andrew in particular would be able to better answer that. But I think this is what happened. Okay. So we've really talked about data-centric tools. Um, so they don't really power your content marketing strategy. But can you give us a flavor of your actual content marketing strategy? You touched upon blog posts and how it's actually maybe difficult to measure the directive impact of blog posts in, in, in the customer journey. Um, so how do you decide what content to publish and where and, and what would be the most valuable content to publish? How many hours do you have in front of you? <laughs> how about two minutes? <laughs> um, no, but seriously, this is something I've set up uh, with my colleague Fio a few years ago when, when I joined Hodja, I was in charge of uh, setting up the content team and, and, and the content processes. So the way we split it now is in two. One is kind of the bottom of the funnel. I had this term, by the way, but there's no better thing. So anyway, uh, lead generating content versus awareness-led content. Mm. Let's put it this way. Sure. So lead generating content is, you know, we look at what most content team do. They look at what's the volume, how many people search for that. They look at difficulty, how difficult is it going to be to rank for it. And then they look at potential impact, how likely are we going to be to, to generate MQS from it. So... When you look at the perspective of keywords that are directly related to the use of Hotjar, which will be that the lead generated, uh, the, the, the lead driven kind of content bottom of the funnel, it's actually quite easy to set up. Um, we have pretty much covered the entire, uh, all of the keywords and themes that we can write about for that particular objective. So anything on heat maps, session recordings, feedback tools, anything related to Hoja, Hoja pricing, Hoja, whatever, direct competitors, um, all of that is covered. And those generate the bulk of our signups. Um, and then the other side is kind of the middle of the funnel, top of the funnel, which you could call like awareness-led content or whatever. And that's the world is your oyster there. And like there's so many keywords. So then what we used there was like, what are the things that relate to Hotjar but not directly? So I don't know, website analysis, theme, uh, um, digital transformation. Um, um, I'll tell you something about analytics, which is interesting. All of that, and then going beyond like remote work, user centricity, all of that. But we rank them in the same way. Is there volume? Is there um, how difficult is it going to be to rank? And for those, instead of looking at are they going to generate MQLs or, or leads, we look more in terms of do we have a story that stands out against the competition? Uh, do we have a point of view that we could run uh, that would actually completely go against what the top 10 results talk about? Uh, and I can give you a few examples, or if we don't have time, we can move on. 
I think it'd be good to, to maybe get one example, one kind of follow-up question that, that may relate to, I guess, an example is I was going to ask you, what, how do you decide whether to publish video content, written content or audio content or some other style, some other format of content? Yeah, so we have we have a very, very small team. I mean, we are literally, the content team in Hodja are two people. So I have Fio, our senior editor, and then we have Tony, who's our content writer. That's it, right? So when it comes to what format to write about, uh, it's pretty much related to the strengths that we have in the team. Both Fio and Tony are incredibly skillful writers. So by it makes sense to start with written format first, blog posts, guides, and whatever. But now our strategy is moving on to, okay, we have those guides, those blog posts that, are, that we know are working. Let's repurpose that into different format. And to be honest, at this stage, we're not, I'm, I can't tell you, yeah, we need to do more video or whatever. We look at the channels that we can repurpose and, and see what seems to work there. For Instagram ads and Facebook ads, for example, it's obvious that video, things that move will make people pay attention. But for other formats, uh, like, I don't know, webinars, live events, it, it, it presentations work well and, 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 and GIFs and whatever. So it, to be honest, this is still something we are experimenting with purely because we have a small team. And to give you an example of a, of a piece of content that goes against what is being written, uh, we rank well, I think, for user personas and personas. And I have a huge issue with personas in general because they are usually makeup words, makeup profiles that marketers uh, just yeah, make up in a, in a ballroom based on nothing but intuition. And we came up with a completely different take on it uh, to teach people how to create actu actual user and buyer persona from real data, from surveys, interviews. You can see a, a theme there, a theme there. And, um, and I, I don't remember the position, but we rank, I think, in the top three position for this. So it's always good to have like something that stands out against what all of the mastodons like, uh, like Huspod are talking about. So it certainly sounds like there are a lot of processes that are exceptionally efficient and well-oiled within Hotjar. But um, as the business grows, what, what's an example of a process that um, is perhaps currently done manually within Hotjar that you may wish to automate using marketing technology in the future? But I guess I touched on it before, like this, this, this qualitative research. I think this is where it's going to be at. Um, so I talked about that. I can, I can talk about something else, which is the experimentation side of things. So... Every squad, every team have like for a way for us to reach our objective is to experiment. You know, every, everything can be treated, not everything, but a lot of it can be treated as experimentation. So I think in the future, we have a very manual and widely different way to, to present results from experiment, to make sense of them. We are going all towards the same definition and the same process, but we are not there yet. So I think one piece of technology that we don't have yet that we might be looking for in the future is a common way to store all of experiment results, to learn from them, to give access to the team about the learnings, to be able to launch new experiment from there, all in one place. I think that's probably, I mean, we've just talked about that literally before our mm. call together. So that's where we're going to be going soon, I would say. And what is something that you have in mind that would be a wonderful piece of marketing technology that perhaps doesn't, doesn't even exist yet and you'd love to see created maybe as a feature within Hotjar or maybe as a standalone piece of uh, marketing technology? Well, one uh, which is not a plug to Hotjar would simply be 
I say simply in, in behind, uh, you know, uh, air quoting that, um, would be a way to automatically make sense of any qualitative answers mm. and turn that into quantitative that people can digest and dive into like surveys, interviews. I know there is some AI tool out there that do some of it, but you need to train it. You need to train the model uh, to make sense of it. And it's far from being perfect, but I wish there was a way also to upload this information to my team's brain and to anyone's brain so that they, we have the, sh the same customer knowledge. Um, because it's one thing to learn about quantitative stuff from Tableau and whatever. It's another to have the, the sympathy and this qualitative sense as well. Um, another one just briefly about Hotjar in particular. I wish there was, and you mentioned it earlier, I wish there was a way for our session recordings to include feedback and to actually create usability testing, user testing sessions on the fly with people mm -hmm. by asking them, hey, you're visiting the site right now. You genuinely want to visit the site. You're not being paid to do user testing. You're not a trained user tester. You're an actual person. Do you want to, can, can we record your screen uh, while you talk? You know, mm. I'd love that. Have you been asked for that from customers? Uh, I think so. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's difficult for people to voice out like specific features they want, but I know that we know from research in the process that people use, we know people use traditional web analytics to make sense of what's going on. They use Hodger to understand what people really do, but then they also use usability testing and user testing to have a more directed way to see like how people interact with the menu or, or you know. And so we know this is part of the workflow. And if we could replace this part by integrating within Hodger, I think we would we'd be in a very good position. Oh, Louis, I, I think this is a great conversation because just about every single answer you give, I want to dive deeper into it and just not get to the end of the discussion. But um, I can't be sidetracked by, by doing that every single time. So um, thanks so, so, so much for coming on. Would you say that um, there's one key takeaway you'd like to leave the, the listener with from today's discussion? Yeah, I would say that the word marketing comes from, you know, market and then ing. Marketing is not about you, your company, your product. Marketing is all about your market and your people. And it's all about them from their perspective. And your goal is just to reach, to match their needs with what you can offer, but it's not the other way around. So it's something I'm trying not to forget ever. And I know it sounds a bit simplistic, but when you think about it, so many decisions are taken from the perspective of us and us, and we need this, and let's take that out from our customer's perspective. Let's think of the market first. So marketing, that's what it stands for. Great thoughts. Thank you so much for your time and your tips. What's the best way for the listener to find out more about you and what you do? Well, so yeah, Hotjar.com for Hotjar. Uh, as you mentioned at the start, I run a podcast called Everyone Hates Marketers. I've been running it for three years and a half. I've interviewed people like Mark Ritson, Seth Godin, Neil Patel recently, uh, John Aweeb. I mean, a lot of people I admire who are much smarter than me. So you can check it out if you just Google the, the name Everyone Hates Marketers. And I want to say, David, thanks so much for doing what you do. I also run a podcast and I know how tough it is to keep track of what people actually say and be genuinely interested. You did an awesome job. So thank you for your time. Well, thank you. Much appreciated. And thanks again for your time. You're welcome. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you haven't done so already, sign up for your free trial of Content Cal, plan, collaborate on, approve and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. Plus, check out all the other MarTech Stack show episodes over at contentcal.io. Also, wherever you're watching or listening to this show, let us know your opinion. 
What are the three most important marketing technologies in your business? Let us know and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again.